Good afternoon. You're listening to KFSK News for Wednesday, October 18th. I'm Hannah Floor. For Wrangell's third graders, Alaska Day means a chance to perform. It's long been a local tradition for third graders to sing songs for community elders on the state holiday. Sage Smiley sat in on a music class to hear more. Evergreen Elementary School's two dozen third grade students hold out their hands for sanitizer and trickle into the music room to sit crisscross on a colorful rug in front of music teacher Tasha Morse. How we doing guys? Awesome. So back in the day, the third graders, we would all take a field trip down to the Island of Faith Lutheran Church and they used to have an elders luncheon down there and we would go and sing these songs in person for our elders. Um, But recently, since COVID, they haven't been doing that. But we still want to be able to spread some awesome joy um, for the entire community. So we are going to sing for Ms. Smiley, for the radio station, and for the whole entire community today. Does that sound like a great plan? Remember I told you everything that you could expect, that Ms. Smiley would be at the front of the room. She'd have a really nice microphone and her box that records us. You didn't tell her she'd wear headphones. Well, (laughs) that's just so she can hear. Watch my hands and watch, because there's an introduction. Here we go. All eyes are trained on Morse as she silently cues in the singers. The students also perform a local favorite. So far, so good. The Wrangle song, which was written by third graders over 20 years ago. And my mother-in-law did it, yeah, with the third graders. Yep, my husband's mother. Sage Smiley. Before the Alaska Federation of Natives gets underway tomorrow, there's a lot of effort to prepare resolutions to be considered by the full convention. So far this year, there are about 30 resolutions. Five of them deal directly with subsistence and protecting a rural priority. One calls for congressional action to be permanent, to permanently protect the right of Alaska Natives to engage in subsistence in Alaska's navigable waters. AFN attorney Nicole Baromio says Alaska Natives have a legal right to these protections, but they need to be revisited and spelled out more clearly. She says in the face of failed salmon runs, they are needed more than ever now. 
Hunger is a right to live issue. And we have Alaska Natives, non Alaska Natives that live in rural Alaska on the river systems that are hungry. And the river is their cars or Safeway. And we need to be able to prioritize the taking of fish in times of shortages, which we are in for rural residents. Last week, a federal judge allowed AFN to join a federal lawsuit against the state to defend rural priority for subsistence. Some of the other subsistence resolutions AFN will consider is a request to make state to, to request to the state to incorporate more traditional indigenous ecological knowledge into its decision-making process. There's also a resolution to include tribal seats on the state boards of fishing game. Ben Mallet, AFN's second vice president, says the resolution process can be tedious. But going back to AFN's earliest days until now, it's where change begins. So I'm probably a unique one on staff. I actually really do enjoy resolutions. It can be chaotic. I think it's also very unique to see all of our members focusing on one issue, amending it as a group. Among some of the other resolutions prepared that will be up for a vote, calls for a federal investigation into the disproportionate number of Native deaths in the Alaska prisons, federal legislation to support efforts to address missing and murdered Indigenous people, support for the Alaska Native Heritage Center's efforts to raise awareness about the impact of Native native boarding schools, development of an Indigenous tourism organization in Alaska, and support for ranked choice voting. AFN delegates will begin debating resolutions on Saturday morning, the final day of the convention. Last year, one of the most explosive issues of the convention erupted during the resolution process involving disagreements over how to protect endangered western Alaskan salmon. Juneau's municipal election results have been certified. Voters elected Paul Kelly and Ella Atkinson as the newest members of the Juneau Assembly. They re-elected incumbents Alicia Hughes-Scandies and Christine Wall, and they rejected the City Hall bond proposal. Election officials certified the results on October 3rd of the October 3rd election yesterday evening. Two area-wide seats were up for grabs this year. Kelly Kelly held a strong lead in the 10-person race from Election Day, but Atkinson's lead over Nano Brooks narrowed over time. Still, Atkinson held her lead through yesterday's final count, receiving 114 more votes than Brooks. Kelly wound up with about 20% of the votes cast in the area-wide race. He says he plans to continue the voter outreach he did during the election. It's still not um, quite a majority or anything close to a majority of, of Juno voters. And so I think that's really going to, um, to really shape my, my first term in office. It's really also going to need to be a lot about um, constituent outreach. Kelly will serve a three-year term, and Adkinson will serve the remaining two years of former member Carol Treem's term. Assemblymembers Hugh Scandies and Wall won the District 1 and 2 races. Hugh Scandies says she's eager eager to continue the Assembly's work on things like housing. It really has been one of the most um, fulfilling things I've gotten to do, so... It's a good feeling uh, to still have folks want you there. David Noon and Brittany Choney Haywood were elected to the Juno School Board after holding strong leads since Election Day. 
Voters rejected the latest proposal to fund a new city hall by 633 votes. City manager Katie Koyster says the $16 million the assembly has allocated to city hall could be spent on repairs and renovations to the current building. There's a nearly 100-year-old wooden boat in Petersburg that's become a staple of the tight-knit local music scene. Musicians in town have a few have few performance spaces to choose from. A lot of them are in local bars. But the crew of the Rowetta brings a unique option with them when they come to town, transforming the boat's fish hold into an improvised soundstage. KFSK's Shelby Herbert has more from the deck. It's a brisk Thursday night in September in Petersburg, South Harbor. The chill is already starting to set in, and the people are starting to pour out of town. Alex Deacon is the captain of the Rowetta, but tonight she's also the master of ceremonies for an open mic on board. Let us know what you need. We got all sorts of accommodations. <laughs> Lots of debauchery, but good heathens we are. We don't have amps, but we have music and people want to play. So make yourself comfortable. There's instruments down there too. None of us are perfect. I encourage singing and, you know, arr, the more ours, the better. <laughs> arr, arr, arr. Here we go. Uh, just encourage anyone who's brave enough to have a volunteer. Anybody? Anybody? At Deacon's invitation, a handful of people start tuning their guitars, banjos, and mandolins. The Rowetta is an 80-foot wooden tender boat painted black and white. It's used for moving seafood and ice between fishing grounds and the local processor, OBI Seafoods. The fish is stored in large holds below deck. But tonight, that space is for creating sound. Husband and wife duo Robin and Daniel Cardenas are the first to climb down into the hold. Spectators on deck can just see the tops of their heads. The music bounces off the metal walls, reverberating up and out towards the audience. The rest of the boat has a lot of character, too. That is so great. What you're hearing there is our hot water heater. That's Rowetta crew member Aaron Gore Reif, who is also Deacon's partner. He says the crew likes to think that all the creaks and pops the old boat makes is just her putting her two cents into the conversation. She purrs. (laughs) Sometimes you'll be making a point, you know, you'll be explaining something and she'll go off because I see the boat agrees with me. Mm. The Rowetta was built in 1931. In addition to fish and the occasional musician, She's held mail and freight in her hold throughout her long life. She put out a house fire sometime in the late 30s with her deck hose. Deacon says being a part of that legacy is important to her. It's fun being part of that. I mean, you're talking about 96 years of different people maintaining this piece of machinery. We want to do the company and the history of the boat proud by carrying on the same, you know, habits. But the Rowetta of today is breaking with the past in some ways. Deacon is proud to be one of just a handful of female captains in the local fishing fleet. And the crew is starting some new traditions, like the Fishhold open mic. And they don't just host the music. They're making it, too. I mean, there's a mixture of jazz, of country, of ragtime. The fun part about playing around with the musicians is your music kind of molds itself to something 
unexpected. Gore Reif says the band is pretty resourceful. They like to use what they have on board. What we like to do is we create a lot of junk instruments, you know, just instruments out of random things that you can put into someone's hands and anyone can pick it up, like like the gut bucket. True to its name, the gut bucket used to hold actual fish guts. It had a job and now has a different job. Now it's an instrument played by many who come aboard. Pretty sure it's uh, derived from the old washtub bass. It's just a way really to get music in people's hands with not needing a big fancy instrument. It's very easy to build. All you need is a five-gallon bucket, a washer, any kind of string with some stretch to it, and a stick. And then just kind of find wherever you feel most comfortable pulling it and twanging it, and then you get this lovely boom. In fitting with the Rowetta's DIY theme, Gore Reif uses an old cigarette lighter to pluck the string. Hang on, hang on, I'll get you you something you can write home about. Deacon says the gut bucket is just one of many manifestations of the crew's creativity, fueled by life at sea. They all take turns practicing on wheel watch, the window of time when they're running their product to town, which typically takes 12 to 24 hours. Alaska offers a vast amount of inspiration from the scenery, so it can really help with art. I think some of my best music has come from being on a boat for too long. And part of that's what spawned the idea of the open mic fishhold. That artistic space Deacon and her crew have cultivated is just a temporary one. The crew is hanging up their guitars and their buckets for the season. And their visitors say they'll miss being part of the weird little community around the Rowetta's fish hole. Well, singing in a fish hole for an open mic night is pretty darn, it's pretty special. Doesn't seem like that happens very many places, right? Welcome to Alaska. I want to tell you how happy I am to be playing music with all these folks down here on this boat. Do you come here often? Every time they got an open mic. Why is that? Well, because uh, I love the fact that you can't always just go be yourself in a musical, artistic, creative environment. Um, Here you can. Uh, Accolades. Deacon says there's no rest for the useful. She and Aaron will spend the winter in Washington State retrofitting a short bus as a travel home. And the Rowetta will sit at the docks, songless, until summer returns. From the deck of the Rowetta in Petersburg, I'm Shelby Herbert. For KFSK, I'm Hannah Floor.